dive deep into the realm of large language models, prompt engineering, and best practices. With over 25 years of combined AI and product engineering experience, here are your hosts, Bradley Arsenault and Justin Magarin. Good afternoon, Brad. Good afternoon, Justin. All right, this is our very first podcast. Are you looking forward to it? I'm super excited, actually, to be doing this podcast with you. I am too. Um, and I guess let's dive right into it. Today, we're going to be discussing um, how to measure the quality of output from these large language models and prompts. Um, this, this is very different than your standard machine learning models. And I guess let's start there. How is this different than your standard machine learning model? Well, standard machine learning model, like a supervised model, that's, they're really easy, you know? Maybe you measure accuracy or F1 or precision or whatever, and you've, you've got a very clear number that's easily interpreted. But with generative models, it's just, it's not the same because many potential outputs uh, could all be valid or, or useful for your purposes. Um, often we're looking for creativity from our models. How, how can we possibly measure that? Um, so those, those traditional metrics, they're just, they're not useful in this new realm of, um, uh, generative, uh, AI. Interesting. So, so you talk about, you know, these, these traditional supervised models and, and typically we'd have, you know, a, a labeled data set with ones or zeros for a binary model. We'd have, you know, one, two, three, four for a multi-class model. We'd have words for an NER model. But with these large language models, we got chunks of text that, that can be different and still be valid. And I guess apart from like sitting down and reading the output and determining if the output is right or wrong using our eyes, like is... Is is that a good approach? I, I feel like this, if you have the resources to take this approach, um, it's always a decent amount, decent uh, approach. Um, but it, it, as we all know, it doesn't scale. That, that's the big problem. And if, if we have more scalable techniques, those will be incrementally better. But if you have the resources to do human evaluation, this is the gold standard. Like you have some sort of rating or, or criteria that you use to evaluate the prompts and, and you, you, you sit down and, and you do the grunt work. And, um, you know, that, how ChatGPT got created ultimately came about due to this sort of feedback mechanism uh, of humans looking at the results and being like, I, I like that or I don't like that. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess you say that it's, it's a good approach, but... That being said, it's not scalable. And one idea I was toying with is to create, you know, a, a classification model that we would, you know, label data sets of, of generated output, whether it's good or bad. And, and we'd send the output to this classification model that basically outputs a score. Um, and I feel like that might be a good way of, of kind of measuring the quality of an output what are your thoughts on that? And are there other ways of doing it? I think this, the, the supervised approach, it, it can be very helpful in, in looking at, uh, like if the model has degraded down to some uh, um, output that you didn't desire, like if it, uh, it just said no information found or something like that, 
uh, or it's like, uh, I, I'm not handling this because it's inappropriate. You know, these models kind of have multiple modes and, and, and you want to be able to detect which mode of output that it's giving to you right now because you might need to handle that in different ways, treating that as an error or whatnot. So the supervised approach is really good. Um, that uh, That's sort of like a good kind of like a check that you might apply actually against every prompt that you run on your on your system. Um, other approaches, you know, like uh, building a data set, of course. I, I, actually, I mean, even for your, uh, the supervised approach, building a data set ultimately is at the core of evaluating the quality of the prompts. Really, there's no avoiding the grunt work, but you can make the grunt work a little bit more efficient. And... Um, uh, but you you can uh, apply a few other techniques actually that we'll we'll talk about here. So you talked about you know creating this data set. There's there's another talk that 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 you mentioned the other day about log log prompts. Yes, actually, yes. So this is a, a conventional way to measure the quality of uh, the transformer. Uh, mm -hmm. You have an input and you have an output that you desire. Like you have the prompt that you had, and you have this uh, output sentence that you desired from the model, and you can measure what, what were the, the, the probabilities that the model would output that sentence. You know, unlike traditional models where, you know, you might expect like a 90% accuracy, the, the probability that this model outputs that specific sentence is often hideously small, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but it can still be measured. And you can see if you're making progress on your model by those that the probability of your target sentence going up. So that, that's one way of evaluating the quality of the results is like, has the probability of your target sentence gotten better with the changes that you've made to your underlying model? Okay, and, and so, so I guess that's a third method. And the final method is really the method that I'm most excited about because I love test-driven development. It's something that I do on a daily basis um, and it's something that you've also, you know, mentioned you do. Um, and I think that you kind of have a method that's related to this space. Yeah, so this is, this is a new concept that, we're, that I'm building here. But trying to apply, you know, lessons and uh, uh, principles of engineering that have been learned throughout history. So um, to kind of explain this, let, let's start with, Double entry accounting, the Venetians okay. in the 14th century All were, right. were merchants, you know, buying and selling stuff and going out on ships and one guy would offer insurance for the ship or whatever, you know, that uh, there was a lot of business going on back then. And they developed a very innovative system of accounting. When any time you purchase something from a merchant, that a merchant would go over to his books and would record the transaction in two places. One on the equity side and the other on the assets or liabilities side. Like if, I, if uh, I sold a book to you, for example, and you paid me money. So I've lost an asset. I've lost the book. But I've gained the money. And that money would, uh, would, would be reflected on the equity side or on the cash account. Um, so with this double entry accounting, we make two transactions in two places. And then we can add up all the numbers. And if... At the bottom, the numbers have to equal. The assets uh, minus the liabilities has to equal the equity. And if, that, if those two numbers don't add up, you know you've made a mistake somewhere so, in uh, your math. So Brad, I'm a bit confused. How does this apply to large language models? 
I'm glad you asked. So <laughs> let's think about this basic concept. Uh, the left has to equal to the right. Now yeah. let's advance forward and talk about software testing and test-driven development. Okay. Once again, we have a similar technique where we are um, writing some code and we're writing the test for the code. And the two have to match each other in kind of a complex way. They're, you know, they're doing like a dance with each other. That they're, they're qualitatively different. This is different than, say, running the code twice and making sure that the values are equal, like you know what uh, spaceships do. They'll have three copies of the computer. That's, that's slightly different. The, the, the code and the tests are qualitatively different, but they still have to match each other in kind of a complex way. The chance that you have a mistake in both your code and both your tests in just the right way that the code still matches the test, it's, it's infinitesimally small. So once again, just like the Venetian accountants made a system where the left has to match the right, the software engineers have made a system that the left has to match the right. And this has vastly reduced the number of errors that they make. Now, All right. So... So yeah, so, so so we talk about the Venetians and, and double accounting. We talk about how that concept kind of materialized in the engineering space with, with test-driven development or unit testing, where now for every function or, or every practical you know piece of code we write, we also write a test to kind of ensure the quality of, of that piece of code. How does that translate to large language models? So in, in developing this field of, of prompt engineering, we and uh, artificial intelligence engineering, we're, we're, we, we want to take those lessons from those prior disciplines. So the approach that I'm proposing here is that we can do the same thing, the same the left has to match the right with our prompts. We write one prompt that processes some data. You know, it has a prompt and it's like uh, you give it some quoted data or whatever. And it's supposed to give you a result. And... You can run another prompt on that result and check, okay, does this other prompt give me um, what I want? Some like hard-coded value, like yes or no or whatever. Um, you can get these models to produce like, extremely narrow ranges of results. And the key is now in, in improving the quality of our results, we once again have a situation where the left has to match the right. And... If the left prompt and the right prompt, uh, you know, don't uh, match each other and do this complex dance with each other, you know there's a problem with the quality in your system. All right. All right. So, so that's a really interesting concept. But I think that there's a problem here because we know that very often the output of large language models, you know, isn't great. Um, and maybe I won't use the word often, but it happens, right, where, where the output... Yep prompt is not good. Yep. And, and, and so there's a chance there that the output of the unit test prompt is also not good. So how do we deal with two prompt outputs that aren't great? This is where the engineer in you has to, to come through, right? You look at the statistics of the situation. So we know these prompts have error rates, right? So the, you might... Um, for some reason, the prompt on this specific input uh, doesn't give you the output in the format that you, want, you care about, you know, that is important to you. Let's say that error rate is, is 10%, right? So 
the 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 thing that we're trying to do with this this quality checking mechanism is try to make it such that the error rate on the left side and the error rate on the the, the right side are small enough that in practice that the 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 overall system breaks down very rarely so for example with these quality prompts let's say you have an error rate of 10% but i want my prompts to be good to like, I don't know, 99.99%. That would necessarily imply that I have, you know, six or seven uh, quality checking prompts on the output side, each with their own 10% error rate. But if they're put it combined together and they do voting, now the statistics actually favor you getting the, a result at the quality that you want. So so that's super interesting. So, so, so what you're saying is that we don't only need to have one prompt to say whether an output was 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 right or wrong you're saying that we can also have multiple prompts determining the quality of an output just just like you have multiple tests for the same function of code you know you uh, you need to test different properties that that code has just just like with our ai we can use the prompts to check the prompts you use the code to check the code you use the numbers to check the numbers it, it's the same thing going right back to the Venetians uh, that we're doing here. And if we right, use that's... enough prompts, enough checking prompts, we can be pretty certain that the output we got uh, is, 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 is up to the, our level of quality. And this can be done both as, as like an assertion where we're doing it at runtime in production, or it could just be done on sort of like an evaluation data set. Like we were saying earlier, you always got to build an evaluation data set. Um, but either way, you, we, can, um, we can use these prompts to check the prompts. And if you have enough checking prompts, the, 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 the statistics, the probability that, that, the, that a bad sample gets through, it, it can become exceedingly small. It, it, very, very rare. That's, that's super interesting where now we could use large language models to also kind of assess the quality of other large language model prompts. So... We talk about, you know, double counting. We talk about unit testing. We talk about log loss. We talk about, you know, using um, large language model to measure the quality of other large language models. Where does the human come in? Because at the end of the day, you know, we're building applications at the end of the day, not for us, but for the end user, for, for an end person to actually get a lot of value from it. And my question is, with a lot of applications out there, you know, we're, we're asking users for feedback, right? Um, where do you yep. see user feedback kind of tie into this? So, I mean, there's different approaches uh, that, that people have take. If you ask my opinion, um, when, when I see companies that are asking for feedback, that it's really direct, like they know that their model is producing a low quality result. And they'll have something like a check mark and an X. And if you hit the X, you're like, I didn't like that result. It might give you a new one or, you know, it depends on how they designed that particular interface. Um, I don't think that's the responsibility of the user, to be honest with you. I know companies are, are definitely doing this, but we're the experts. We're the AI engineers. We're the ones who understand statistics and uh, engineering principles. I personally believe it's our responsibility to, to be quality checking our results and that we shouldn't be putting that on the users. Where, where the users can come in, it, it in a lot, is in a lot more subtle ways. So we can use behavioral data from the application. For example, like um, 
Uh, let's say the user generates uh, uh, some data and then they immediately change the prompt and generate some new data. They didn't like that first result. Well, we can, we can assume uh, that that first result was, was bad based on the user behavior. Um, we don't need to explicitly ask them and like make them our, our, our quality checking team, but we can kind of infer their quality from the behavior that they're, that they're of the quality of the result from the behavior in the application. So, so what and you're I saying think that's where the user comes in. So, so what you're saying is that while the X or checkbox may be a method that's employed today by, by many organizations, you're saying that maybe there are other more subtle ways of doing the same kind of check to get that user feedback. Absolutely. The, I think that there's, there's a lot more subtle ways and the companies that make it more subtle and also just take the onus on themselves, you know, to do their own internal quality control, then those are going to be fundamentally better products and they're going to compete better in the marketplace because users are going to enjoy them more than these like kind of crappy products where they're, they, they're the QA team, you know, <laughs> outsource QA to the customer. Outsource QA, I like it. All right, well, um, we're at time. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for, for, for being here, Brad. Um, I think this was a super interesting conversation. This was, this was great, Justin. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, no, I, it, it definitely shows. Um, and I guess for our next podcast, we're going to be touching on how prompts should be decoupled from source code, um, just following best practices in general. So I'm really looking forward to sharing more with um, you, know, you, Brad, and also with our listeners. Um, take care. All right. Have a good one, Justin. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe and stay updated on our latest content. We appreciate your support.